Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Nasiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 402, Find Your Mission with Nick McKinley. Our hearts break for them, but your tears do nothing for them. Cold calculating strategy to go after that human trafficker is what helps them. Well, strap in for an amazing conversation. I just got done talking to Nick, and it's one of the more energizing conversations I've had on the show. Um, In addition to serving in the Air Force, working in the State Department, serving in the CIA, and now running two different companies, one of them uh, designed to fight uh, human trafficking, Nick is, needless to say, an amazing human being, and we cover so much ground in this conversation. Uh, We talk about, you know, as a founder of two companies, His biggest advice to entrepreneurs is to not start a company. We talk about how success is opportunity meeting preparation and how oftentimes we focus on motivation when we should be focused on preparedness and uh, the reasons why we are doing things. We talk a lot about mission and some of the best tactical advice I've heard from a guest about how to specifically and tactically uncover your next mission. We talk about the choices that we make every single day and how we have limited opportunities and being precise in what we say yes to and better and more important, what we say no to. We talk about not just having uh, compassion and empathy lead to tears, but have that lead to motivation. Um, we talk about so much on this show, and I think it's one of the few episodes I would say is worthy of three or four listens. Um, as always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes with links to everything we discuss, as well as 401 other episodes just like this one. So with that, let's dive into my conversation with Nick. Joining me today in Kalispell, Montana, my guest is Nick McKinley. Nick, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to give listeners two things. First, I'll give you a a brief bio on Nick. And then second of all, a friend of mine, Land Fan, had introduced me to Nick. I just want to share what that intro looked like. So first of all, Nick is the founder and chief strategy officer of Verify, a private intelligence and due diligence firm specializing in collecting, analyzing, and presenting intelligence so you can make confident decisions about key hires and investments. He is also the founder and CEO of Deliver Fund, a nonprofit private intelligence organization that disrupts human trafficking markets by providing intelligence and delivering specialized analytics about human trafficking activities to law enforcement authorities. He is a 10-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force, where he served as both pararescueman, as a pararescue instructor, and a pararescue team leader. He has also worked for both the U.S. Department of State as well as the Central Intelligence Agency. And when Lan introduced me, she said, look, he, uh, Nick recently spoke for her community of seven on leadership, and he was absolutely amazing. He is the CEO of Deliver Fund, where he works to dismantle the proliferation of human trafficking and fraud. Deliver Fund is the first counter human trafficking nonprofit to use market principles to combat human trafficking in the USA at scale through proprietary technology applications. So I wanted to share that detail as well. So let's start off, Nick, with a question. If you were to run into an Air Force veteran on the street and they're like, oh man, Nick, what do you do for a living now? How do you answer that question? (laughs) 
It's complicated. <laughs> so it really depends on on what the uh, what the individual is interested in. You know, what do I do for a living? I fight human trafficking and fraud. That's what it is that we do. So through Verify, through really unearthing investment fraud and making sure that people are who they say they are and they've done the things they've said they've actually done and that they're safe investments. Because at the end of the day, venture capital firms, private equity firms, you know, they're investing in people. Even the companies they're investing in are just a bunch of people. And so really helping to limit the liability and the risk to their investment. So that that's kind of the first thing. And then the second thing would be on the human trafficking side. You know, we are fighting the proliferation of human trafficking at scale uh, for really the first time in history. So for our audience, you know, before we started the recording, Nick and I were talking because there's so many ways to take this conversation. As you can imagine, with Nick's CIA background, with the work in human trafficking, with the whole analytics, there's a three-hour episode here on, on a variety of topics. So I just want to name that up front. One thing that I'm curious about, though, as it relates to our audience, is the variety that you seem to have incorporated into your career at this point. And I'm curious, how do you juggle being in charge of and involved with multiple organizations from a, like a time standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint? Was that something that appeals to you? Has that become a burden? Or what is it like having a couple different balls in the air? I like to say that sometimes leadership in general, is just deciding who you're going to disappoint the most that day. (laughs) And it's not that there are, you know, just two balls in the air. There are so many different balls in the air because, you know, I've got little kids and I've got a a wonderful wife. I've got uh, these two companies. I'm actually uh, finishing grad school. Got all these different things going on. And so really, I think, you know, the economic principles of the decision to do one thing is more importantly, the decision not to do something else really rings true. We have to, especially as veterans, understand that we need to invest in the future of our career and what it is that we want to accomplish. So for me, I didn't set out to really kind of have all these different things happening uh, it just kind of happened and evolved this way as we started fighting human trafficking. I had the you know verify company on the side, um, and I was kind of, I was always doing both. But then both of them start growing quickly, and that's really where the development of a team comes in. You know, I get to be the point man on these organizations, and I get to be the guy that people talk to the most. Really behind the scenes, you know, over at Deliver Fund, we've got forty two people who are working on this issue. I've got another nine people over at Verify. And so it's really the team that is making the whole thing happen. And if it wasn't for the team uh, that I've got at, at both companies, none of this would be getting done. I love that you have these two companies, you're kind of guessing, investing in them different ways along the way. And then they both seem to kind of take off simultaneously. And I really like this sense that that kind of forces delegation and forces a team. But I want to rewind to something you said before we started recording. I I thought you had an interesting piece of advice for anyone who asks you about starting a nonprofit or starting a company in general. Yeah, my advice is always don't. Don't go start a company. I mean, a nonprofit is just a company. You know, it's very important for people to understand that it's a it's a different revenue stream, it's a different sales model. But at the end of the day, it is a company, and if you don't treat it as such, then you'll destroy it. So, don't go start a company unless there is just a problem that you absolutely have to work on. 
that you have to see solved and there's nobody else doing it. So don't go try to start the next Apple. You're smarter to go join Apple. Don't go try to start the next Google. You'd be smarter to join Google. But if in the case of, especially on the human trafficking side, there does not, and do, well, did not at the time, exist a piece of software that was target specifically built for fighting human trafficking. Really, all that existed was a little bit of data collection, uh, some other tools that existed for fighting other purposes like financial fraud or terrorism, or maybe case management tools for law enforcement. There just didn't exist a technology platform that was built specifically for fighting human trafficking. And that's the only thing that's actually going to, you know, over the long, long term, fight human trafficking at scale. And so that was the problem that I needed to attack. And the only reason I started a company to do so is because nobody else was doing it. There was nobody to join. I think that's great advice too, because I think probably from a financial insanity standpoint, <clears throat> it is better to kind of join the company that has wind in its sail, but just really recognizing if it doesn't exist and that's important to someone to start a company. I also wanted to ask one other recap that you had said prior to recording is you had a great snippet of advice that you give to every civilian about the military and counter advice to every veteran about the civilians. And I, I just thought that was a great, uh, great soundbite I'd love for you to share. So for civilians, w when you look at the military, you have to understand if you are not a veteran and you didn't do these things, that the reason you were able to make a lot of money, the reason you were able to have a, a safe, just, and economic platform that you could build upon was because the folks in the military and law enforcement and you know uh, other types of service careers were doing their part to provide that platform. So in many ways, the civilian community who has not served in any of those any of those communities owes those communities everything. On the flip side of that, in veterans listening to this and active duty, you're going to need to check yourself when I say this very controversial thing. Civilians owe you nothing. And it's, you'd be keen to keep that in mind as you move into a into the civilian world and you transition out of the military or law enforcement. You know, it's very important. And law enforcement community has a lot of the same issues with that the military has. You know, transitioning out of the law enforcement community. You know, physical injuries, PTSD issues. I mean, a lot of that stuff exists within the law enforcement community, firefighter community. Uh, and it, it's very important that we that we keep that in mind, because when you leave the military, I've seen so many folks, especially on the special operations side, who leave special ops and say, all right, I'm one of the top. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the top of the pyramid. And that is very true. However, your special operations experience is completely irrelevant to IBM because they're trying to keep a company afloat with a burn rate in the millions of dollars a day. They're trying to make sure that they go and earn a couple million dollars the next day so that they can they can keep paying all of their employees. So it doesn't matter that you are a fantastic door kicker and, and you're an amazing, an amazing shooter and you've got all these combat deployments. How are you going to help that company earn a couple million dollars tomorrow so that they can continue to pay their employees and they can continue to advance the ball down the field? It's a very, very important write-up. Uh, that was posted on LinkedIn. And I don't remember who wrote it, and I, I probably should. But if you search for it, you can find it. It's called, and it was it was a business leader who wrote it. It's titled, Thank You for Your Service. Now here's why I won't hire you. And it is a very, very good check 
on the veteran community to kind of check themselves and understand that when you leave the military, you are starting over. You have a better platform to launch from than any of your civilian peers. That is absolutely true. But you are starting over. You are, you're an E1 in a brand new service, learning what it is that service does. Now, you'll probably rise through the ranks faster, but don't think that just because you were you know, a major in charge of a unit of infantry soldiers, that in any way makes you ready to take over as a senior vice president for a $300,000 a year salary in a corporate company that isn't doing the same thing. I think that's spot on. And I, I feel like the biggest threat to the veteran community is a sense of entitlement. And, you know, what I would offer to listeners is that if you adopt the mindset that Nick just described, at the very least, you can be pleasantly surprised if things go better than expected. Great, but it's far better to go into it expecting nothing. You know, mark off Veterans Day on your calendar, make the rounds at all the restaurants that give away free stuff. And that's kind of the extent that you'll get from your military service for a lot of things. And be surprised if it's better than that. But I love that mindset. Set. Nick, one thing I wanted to ask you about is moving on in a career. And again, this is just an outsider's view, so I may be misinterpreting. But when I look at your story, I see, okay, here's a very smart, capable person who's in the Air Force and could have risen through the ranks. And 10 years in, you decide to move on to the State Department. You do well there and you decide to move to the CIA. You do well there and you decide to move on to starting your own company. So I kind of witness a man who has made the decision repeatedly of knowing when it was the right time to move on to something new. And correct me if I'm misinterpreting that, but, but I'm curious what advice you have for knowing when to open a new chapter in your career. I just kind of happened to find myself in the right positions at the right time, surrounded by incredible people who assisted me to get to different places. Now, you could say I was lucky, but I also believe that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Uh, and so when opportunity arises and an opportunity that you want, are you prepared to walk through that door? People will say that, you know, one of the ultimate forms of wisdom is, you know, knowing that when you, uh, you know, when opportunity knocks on the door that you should answer it. Well, for high performers in the world, which most of your listeners probably are, the world is nothing but opportunity. The true wisdom comes in knowing which opportunities to follow. And one of my mentors has actually let me know that my, uh, my tolerance for risk is probably unhealthily high. So, uh, you know, I just had this very, uh, uh, to quote the founders of Google, a very uh, healthy disregard for the impossible. Uh, and just because nobody else has done it doesn't mean that's probably just because nobody else tried. There's really smart people who've worked on all types of problems across humanity. How can I be one of those humans working on a very, very important problem? And so, so being focused more on the mission right? Being loyal to the mission instead of loyal to the Air Force or the pararescue teams or, you know, the, the work that I did as a private personnel recovery uh, uh, consultant or the work in the State Department or the work at CIA, right? Or the work at Deliver Fund or the work at Verify. It's not, it's not being loyal to the entity. It's being loyal to the mission. So that then brings up a whole other discussion. What's your mission? 
And that's really important for, I believe, veterans and really everybody, but veterans specifically. And, you know, we we need to keep our, our law enforcement brethren in mind here as well. They specifically are mission focused people. It's probably the whole reason they ended up in the career fields they ended up in in the first place. So if you are a mission focused person, you better have a mission because manning the cubicle at middle management in the Home Depot is not going to do it for you. Now, that might be how you make your living, but most likely that's not your mission. So is your mission then to mentor and provide leadership to your fellow employees at the Home Depot? Is it, you know, the local food bank? Is it, you know, I I don't care, but you've got to find a mission and, and then pursue that mission. And that's ultimately what it is that I just did was I, there were missions that I wanted to pursue and things that I wanted to accomplish. I couldn't find other people who were, who were doing it and doing it right. So I built my own organizations in order to do that. Uh, and so now what it means is I get to pay a bunch of people to do the thing that I wanted to do so that I can run the organization that pays the people on a daily basis. And so there's this catch-22 here in, in pursuing that mission as well. But that's okay because I'm still pursuing the mission and still, you know, still working towards mission accomplishment. And mission, I think, is one of the most important and most untalked about things that drives the veteran community. And if we could get the veteran community to focus on mission, I believe we're going to see a lot less issues with PTSD, a lot less issues with the growing divide that is happening between the veteran world and the civilian world right? And you can even add law enforcement into that. There's this growing divide where law enforcement is growing away from both the veteran world and the civilian world. So we're, we're great. We're ending up with this, this great polarization in our society. I believe that part of it is because you have a bunch of civilians who, quite frankly, are not mission-driven. That's just not the way that God wired them. And that's okay because they were making a lot of money so they could pay their taxes so that, so that we could go do the things that we were doing as mission-driven people. So if you're a veteran and you're trying to figure out what that transition is going to look like, I would not be so focused on like, how am I going to pay my bills? Well, that's very important. I'd be more focused on what is the mission I'm going to pursue? And then how do I turn that into a way to pay my bills? Or how do I go get a job that will provide me with a living that I need in order to be able to pursue the mission that I want to pursue? I'd love to go deeper on this. I think that this is really profound. And when I talk about it on the show with guests, it often kind of emerges as purpose. But but some of the discussion that's come up in the last you know 400 episodes is that a lot of veterans, and I think you're pointing to a bigger thing, this is law enforcement, this is other communities as well. But in my use case, when, when veterans leave the military, there is almost a, a flailing sometimes or reorientation of having a clearly defined mission. And then that comes into question and, and the question becomes, what is my next mission? What is driving me? And maybe this isn't the way that you think. The question I'm trying to get at is, advice on how to uncover that next mission. And I don't know in your case, if it was kind of constantly peeling back the layers of the onion to your current mission, if it was a conscious exercise, or if it really was like you described your career is like kind of one thing leading to the other. But I'm curious with the in mind, the person in the military or the veteran who may be needing to redefine or rediscover a mission that excites them as they change identity, 
what advice do you have for them about, I, I always think of like the paleontologist dusting off the dinosaur bone, like how can they dust off and uncover what their next mission might be or something that might excite them and give them purpose and give them that identity they're craving? I think it's important for people to really pay attention to what they read about. What do they spend their time doing? And if you're not reading, well, there's your first problem. You know, put down the Xbox controller because it's not helping you in life and pick up a book, a Kindle, you know, whatever, you know, start watching YouTube videos about science, start doing something, right? Start, start pursuing a curiosity and an interest. And what I noticed was, you know, when I was doing private personal recovery work for some Fortune 5 banks, uh, before I, I went to the State Department, I had kind of first been introduced to the concept of human trafficking. And kind of fast forward into my State Department time, I started reading about it, started understanding more what was happening. And then fast forward into the CIA, the same thing, and then came face to face with a human trafficking case and got very frustrated by, by the system and the lack of attention that the system pays to the human trafficking problem. So I had read over 30 books over a period of years on the human trafficking problem. Well, that's a really easy deductive way to say, maybe the human trafficking mission is one I should start pursuing. And so that's really, I think, the easiest way is what do you spend your time thinking about and doing? Most of the folks that I knew on, on my teams who were really into fitness, you know these guys. I mean, they're the guys who are doing two-a-days and they're hyper-disciplined about their diet, and they can tell you every little difference about doing a curl with your wrist 10 degrees one direction versus 10 degrees another direction. And what do they become? They, a lot of them become personal trainers. Coming from the pararescue community, we had, we had those of us who were really interested in like the, the like rescue portion, and we knew medicine and could do medicine because that's what was required to keep the patient alive. And then we had other guys on the team who were just really into the medicine thing. And they were constantly reading it and studying it and just fascinated by all this medical stuff. Well, one of them that I know um, on my team is now a cardiothoracic surgeon. And another one is an emergency room uh, general surgeon. So that's a great example of like, when you say follow passion, that's true. They were passionate about medicine but passion is strategic. You can't execute strategy over, you know, you can over the long term, but not over the short term, right? The short term is very tactical. So like you're going to execute, what are you executing on? And the thing you need to execute on is a mission. So while they might've been very interested in medicine and that was their passion, medicine was their passion. They, they couldn't just be into medicine. You have to really narrow that down and say, okay, within my passion for medicine, what is the next step? Well, I think I want to become a trauma nurse, a physician assistant, a, a doctor, a surgeon. Okay. That's the next mission is I want to become a surgeon. But then even then, once you're pursuing that mission, then you have to get even tighter, right? Your focus has to get even tighter. What type of surgeon? So for me, it's you know, the, the whole pararescue that others may live motto, that's what I was raised under. And that's, you know, as I was raised up as a man, it was really the pararescue teams that did that. And so that was just beat into me, you know, these things we do that others may live. And that was really the purpose, right? That, that's the, the big grand strategy, the vision that others may live. Okay, 
well, I could pursue that as a doctor and I could pursue that as a law enforcement officer. And I could pursue that as a firefighter. I could continue to stay in pararescue. So as I start to narrow it down, it very, it, it became the human trafficking issue. And that's the issue that I wanted to solve. It's a fantastic answer. And one thing I appreciate about it is, as you said earlier with the Home Depot, it's kind of like you can have your job and pursue your mission on the side. Like the answer you're giving there is kind of a roadmap for uncovering a mission that could be related to one's occupation or outside of that. I've seen examples of both of those. But I also like this sense that the behavior is the indication of the interest. Like if you are actively reading on something, like that's something to investigate. And it it makes me think of uh, Cal Newport's book, uh, Deep Work. And a lot of his premise there is that to really have an exciting mission, you need to be at the forefront of a field. And the only way to do that, like when you talk about reading 30 books on human trafficking, that's not a superficial interest. That's not overnight. It is like kind of a, a deep dive on something, building expertise, building a perspective. And oftentimes I see in myself and with others I speak with a desire for an exciting mission without the willingness to go deep on something and actually hone and sharpen a skill. So I'm appreciating your thought about putting down the Xbox controller or Netflix or whatever anyone's drug of choice is to give more time to really devote to uncovering that mission. And that it's almost like fortune is rewarding those who are willing to really go deep on something and then maybe extend the boundary of what that is. One thing I was going to ask about with your work with Deliver Fund with Verify is I can see the aspects from a career standpoint that are extremely rewarding because you are, again, in 400 interviews, you're one of the few people where your work is directly improving people's lives. So I can imagine how that is very fulfilling. But I can also imagine dealing with human trafficking with Deliver Fund. It's just even just talking about it with you. It's a very heavy, very emotionally to me it feels like an emotionally draining topic. I can imagine a lot of careers that have that in common. Do you have any advice on things that you do to nourish yourself, to stay fresh, to stay buoyant when you're dealing with something that can be very demanding and draining and emotionally burdensome? I think we have a choice when we deal with anything. I don't care if it's you know a fight with your spouse or children that are grinding on you, employees that are are getting out of line or something as, as terrible as the human trafficking problem, we have a choice in how we choose to perceive that. So we think about that. That can become a limitation or it can become a motivation. We get the choice. And so anytime I catch myself getting into that limiting mindset, right, or what people might call, you know, victimhood a little bit, right, is victimhood is very much a, a, a victim mindset is a limiting mindset. Anytime I start getting into that mindset where these things start to get kind of heavy, I purposefully think about how I turn that into a motivation, right? Great example is uh, when I was at the CIA, we had this, this, uh, this series of pictures, uh, that I wasn't really sure exactly where it came from, but I'm sure some asset collected it in Iran or Iraq or someplace. And it was this little boy, a homeless little boy, who'd been caught stealing bread, right? Any, any of us could have empathy with that little boy. And as punishment, the store owner and all of the other store owners held his arm under a truck tire and ran over his arm as punishment. And, and you could see like the, the sheer agony and pain on this kid's face. I have a bunch of like kind of motivating things that I keep in a folder on my desktop and that's in there. That's one of them. 
So we can choose, our, our hearts can break for that little boy that does nothing to help him. Or we can use that as motivation to go help him. And it's the same thing with the human trafficking side. Like we, I mean, I can tell you stories for days about girls being locked in dog crates and force fed narcotics and being raped, you know, anywhere from 12 to 30 times a day. And our hearts break for those women. And, and there's some of them are little boys as well. Um, our hearts break for them, but your tears do nothing for them. Cold calculating strategy to go after that human trafficker is what helps them. And so ultimately it comes down to what are you doing that brings value to yourself? And if you're getting lost in that, that limiting mindset and you're turning your disability checks into Jack Daniels, that's not going to work. What is it that motivates you to pursue something? And that something is most likely a mission, right? It's really important that we deliver on a mission, full stop. And I think most veterans can think of the times when they were happiest in the military. It's most likely when they had a mission that they were executing on, not when they were sitting around waiting for their senior enlisted leader to, to, or their, their commander to tell them that they could leave for the weekend. That's not when they were happiest. When they were happiest is most likely when they were in some difficult circumstances pursuing a mission, right? So go pursue that mission. And that is what is going to, to help you deal with all these things. And then there's also just, we'll call it a personal care regimen, which is different for every single person. Some people will talk about balance. There's no such thing. There, there's literally no such thing as balance in life. You make choices. And the choice to do one thing is a choice not to do something else. And so it's important for each person to know where their threshold is and how to manage that threshold. Because having too little stress in your life is really bad for you. Having too much stress in your life is really bad for you. So being self-regulating and self-calculating is, 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 and knowing how to monitor that, I think is very important. And that requires that, that the individual do a lot of really hard work looking at themselves, trying to figure out what that is for them. I mean, so much there. I hope whoever is listening to the podcast rewinds that. I think that that, that blurb, there's so much wisdom there. I just want to bookmark. I, I really appreciate the wisdom in that sense that our tears and our heartbreaking does not serve the people we want to serve. Like, I think that's great to have that empathy and compassion. I think that's very valuable, but I love this sense of you turning that into fuel for this machine that's in you and that you have built around you. And I particularly like this thought of this motivation folder on your desk to give you that energy. And then I feel like that that answer that you gave around the self-regulating stress, like it might be one of the best answers I've had about this question I often get about work-life balance. And you're pointing out the negative impact of stress when there's too much of it, but also the negative impact of stress when there's not enough of it. And so I really like this sense of people tuning in to what is the optimal level of stress and holding themselves there. And I just want to make a little bit of space around that. If you had any other thoughts on either, I'm curious just from a personal standpoint, any thoughts you have around cultivating motivation? You talked about that motivation folder or any thoughts you have around sharpening thoughts on priorities on a daily basis? Like you said, you have to say no to so many things or third, any other thoughts you have on finding that balance personally, things that you've done to just kind of 
uncover what your day-to-day balance is? I know there's a lot there, but feel free to take it in whatever direction you'd like. Sure. So I think uh, actually, if you're a veteran and you haven't read some of Jocko Willing's work, I highly recommend you do. I just now have started to... um, actually kind of discover some of his stuff. And what's really interesting about his stuff is he talks about the difference between motivation and discipline. So motivation gets you nowhere. And motivation is very fleeting. It might help you like get up in the morning because you're motivated to do something, but motivation isn't going to sustain you. If there's anything that veterans have, it's discipline. And it's the discipline that keeps you going. And so that folder on my desktop is not a motivation folder. It's literally titled Reasons. It's reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. So when the sheer weight of running an organization that has burn rates in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, and that that means like, okay, like every month you're not raising, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you're in the hole. Like how, and you've got employees and they're paying for their kids' school and their lives based on, based on this work. And they're doing really important work. And if they can't do that work, then human trafficking survivors don't get pulled out of dog cages. And so it's remembering to, to your point about sharpening, you know, what it is you're going to do. It's having the reasons why you're doing the thing you're going to do. Every veteran I know, and that's a lot of people, would run into the burning building to save the kid. Wouldn't even hesitate. How many of those veterans are staying up on their physical fitness so that when the time comes, they're ready to run into the building and save the kid without actually, without being a detriment to that mission? How many veterans are not just trying to live in the past? Um, I was talking to uh, another podcaster, Andy Stump, and he has got the Clear Hot podcast, and he was saying that, you know, a ship doesn't sail on yesterday's winds. Think about that. And I think every veteran should think about that on a daily basis, because are you a veteran who is now in the civilian world, or are you a civilian who is a veteran because you used to serve in the military? And I think we have some good models for this because we look back to you know, really the greatest generation. I mean, yes, we fought some wars, nothing like that generation did. I mean, we weren't in trench warfare in, you know, <laughs> World War II and World War One. And you look at some of the things that the, you know, especially the soft folks in Vietnam, the guys like Billy Waugh and, and those folks did in the MACD days, look at what they did uh, and then look at the way that they conducted themselves when they came home. That was not their identity. One of the problems I think that we are creating as veterans, and I think that we are in many ways our own worst enemy, we're creating this civilian divide where we're trying to hold civilians who didn't serve accountable for the fact that they didn't serve. Like that matters. And so if our identity is not in something else, our identity is not just in ourselves, Uh, as, As a Christian, I think your identity should be in Christ. But if your identity is not in something else, your identity is in being a veteran, you are setting yourself up for failure. I love that sense of running into a building and then yet like, are you preparing to be ready to run into the building? That's really powerful. And also that sense of not relying on motivation. And for listeners in the show notes at beyondtheuniform.org, I'll include links to the article that Nick had mentioned, as well as some books by Jocko Willink. We had him on the show for episode 333. I'll have a link to that as well. Highly, highly recommend that. Two more questions and then an open-ended one. First one, any other research 
resources you would recommend that have helped you in your career, your life, books, movies, conferences, just things that I could list in our resources section that people could check out, even if they're on a ship in the middle of nowhere right now? So I think one of the biggest lessons that veterans need to learn is how to market themselves. Quiet professional does not mean silent professional. And you have no right to complain about the fact that you didn't get the job over some civilian if you didn't learn how to properly market yourself because that civilian did. Now, talking about what you did, you know, if somebody went to Harvard University, we don't say that they're arrogant because they talk, they say, oh yeah, they went to Harvard University. It's just a statement of fact. If somebody's a doctor, we don't say they're arrogant because they talk about the fact that they're a doctor. It is just a statement of fact. So if you were a military special operator or you were, you know, a rock star intelligence analyst or, or tank driver or whatever it is you did, there's nothing wrong with, with talking about the thing that you did and relating to a company as an example or an investor or somebody on how that is relevant to what you're getting ready to go do. There's nothing wrong with talking about that. In fact, if you don't talk about it, you do so to your own detriment. And quite frankly, you have no right to complain about the fact that somebody doesn't quite understand your skill set. So one of the biggest things veterans have to learn, and, and I'm still learning it on a daily basis, is how to properly market yourself. And I'm not talking about going and making a living on Instagram. I mean, if that's what you feel called to do, great, go do it. But just being able to, to properly articulate who you are and the value that you can bring to whoever it is you're trying to sell yourself to. So I think that that's one of the, the key things that veterans need to focus on is how to communicate who they are to the civilian world without using a bunch of military acronyms, uh, which I'm guilty of using on almost an hourly basis. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to have a driving purpose. For me, part of the reason why I do the things that I do is because I truly believe that God is calling me to do things. Well, that means that I believe that there is a God and I believe, I believe this stuff. Why? Because I studied it and I figured out what it was that I actually believed. And so many veterans don't know what they believe politically, spiritually, about themselves about the world in general. So I think we are so focused on a team, which is the great thing about the military. Like if you're an employer listening to this, like you wanna hire veterans tomorrow, as many of them as you can get, because they understand how to work on a team like nobody else. However, one of the bad things that the military teaches us is not to really ever think of ourselves. And yet we go into the civilian world where that's almost all people think about. And then we wonder why we're behind. So where civilians need to learn to work better on a team, right? And you don't learn that on a football field, you learn that in combat. And so they need to better learn how to work on a team because they, are, they already know how to set themselves up for success. We need military veterans to learn how to better set themselves up for success. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. I'll give you some real shortcuts uh, there's a guy named Donald Miller. He wrote a book called Story Brand. Read the book Story Brand. They'll at least help you understand how to how to articulate your skills. I think that there are some very good examples of people to watch. One of my personal favorites is a former SEAL named Mike Janky. You'll find him on LinkedIn. You can kind of study the things that he's done. He went from a you know SEAL Team Six operator to I think he runs a venture capital firm now called Data Tribe. I mean, just completely reinvented himself. And then. The last piece would be 
fill in the blank for yourself. So go figure out what that blank is and learn as much as you can about it. Like, and, and that blank is your mission. If people listening are, are fired up about what you've talked about, the work that you're doing with deliverfund.org, how can they support you? Uh, you can find us on all the social media platforms. It's at deliverfund. Uh, you can find me at, at deliverfundnick. And the best way to support us is to go hit that donate button. Nobody likes to ask for money, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're a veteran and the military couldn't pay you, you couldn't go do the noble work that you're doing. Well, it's the same thing with what we do at Deliver Fund. Um, and then we do, uh, we do hire uh, routinely. We actually have three positions open right now. So if, if you want to jump all into the boat and you know, grab an oar and you know, help us row, you can definitely throw your hat in the, in the ring for, for one of those positions. And you can find those at careers.deliverfund.org. And I'll have links to all of those in the show notes at beyondtheuniform.org. Um, I know we're at the end of our time. Um, what have we not covered that you want listeners to know? I think we covered it. I just want to reiterate it. The sense of self-identity in something and then the translation of that into a mission is, is really the biggest driver that any veteran can have that will set them up for, for really for success, financial success, professional success, and just success in life for the rest of their life. And if, if, they, if, if your listeners who haven't done this, I'm sure many of them probably have, I mean, I'm not some super genius who created this, right? Um, if, if your listeners who have not done that thinking would just take the time to do it, and it's hard, and it will take longer than they think, but if they take the time to do it and establish really what is that, that northern pointer on their compass, then it will make everything else that much easier. Well, Nick, thank you so much for your time today. Um, you really embody your career in, in a way that's that's powerful to witness. And, um, you know, in 400 interviews, there's probably five people, maybe 10 that I'd say have found their calling. And I just appreciate that your advice on that, your, your example of that, but also this thought around mission, around self-knowledge, around um, really finding, I don't want to say motivation, but finding those reasons for doing things. So thank you for your time and advice today. And thank you for the work that you're doing at Deliver Fund. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Surface, surface, surface. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. 
Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.